You're listening to the Third Down Squad Podcast, the best international news podcast for the National Football League. We're your hosts, Derek, Josh, and Toby. Let's get you ready for a new set of downs on Sunday. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Third Down Squad Podcast. It is now officially Super Bowl weekend. That's it, folks. We are almost officially done with the NFL season. But hey, at least we have the XFL now, right? Here in the offseason, we're going to have that a little bit, you know? Might be some fun for you XFL fans out there. I don't know. But anyway, obviously this weekend is Super Bowl 54 with the Chiefs versus the 49ers. It's going to be a very fun one. We're going to break down that game and many other things today. But first, we're going to break down the NFL awards, our predictions for that. Obviously, the NFL awards are this Saturday. May or may not have that up before the awards are actually presented. But we're going to give our predictions here on this Friday night before the Super Bowl and its awards. So, first thing we should, uh, we're going to talk about here, we're going to mention our comeback player of the year. We're going to go from comeback player, we're going to talk about our defensive and offensive rookies of the year. Then we'll go into defensive player and offensive player of the year. And then we'll get into our MVP of the year. So first, I will go first with this one. I'm going to bring up my comeback player of the year. And it's a little difficult one for me. There are a few good ones here, but I think that uh, this one kind of just takes, takes the cake when you look at it. And comeback player of the year for me is Jimmy Garoppolo. When you think about where this team was last year without him, obviously this year has not always been about him. There have been a lot of aspects to that team that have made this team where it's at. But bringing Jimmy Garoppolo back, solidifying that offensive passing attack that they have and helping to solidify the rhythm of the offense has really made this team run. And having Jimmy Garoppolo back, has been nothing but spectacular. He's been a really good he's been a really good quarterback this year. Hasn't made a whole lot of mistakes and has certainly looked like he has been in command of this offense and in, of this team as well. So, my comeback player of the year is Jimmy Garoppolo of the San Francisco 49ers. Toby, who is your comeback player of the year? Uh, for me, it's another NFC West player. It's Cooper Cup with his 94 receptions over the year for 1,161 yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, I believe he was probably the best part of the offense for the LA Rams this year. And after the injury last year, I think he was just kind of that glimmer of hope that the Rams had over the season. Yeah, and, you know, for as bad as that offense turned out to be halfway through the season, you know, it's he was really one of the only few bright spots yeah. when they got him the ball. So that's definitely a good option there. Uh, Josh, who is your comeback player of the year? I would, I'm sticking with the NFC like you guys, but I'm heading to the north. I'm going to say Dalvin Cook on this one. Okay. And... Well, I mean, like the way you looked at me, I'm like, uh-oh. I'm like, did I say something wrong here? But I'm like, but, <laughs> but when I say Dalvin Cook, like, I mean, he has been very spotty, you know, with the injuries and stuff. But this is like his first full season playing, and 
you know, most of everybody forgot who he was until the season happened. And look at what he did for the uh, Vikings. He uh, pretty much solidified himself as the true running game for that, and it really helped them get to the uh, playoffs. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, does he still have more left? I think he does, but this is a great jumping-off point. It helps him get psychologically ready for the next season coming up because he played a full season. So that's why I think that Dalvin Cook is going to be the uh, comeback player of the year. Sounds good. Uh, Josh, fix your uh, your camera again. Uh, it's yeah, yeah. freezing for me. I don't know if it's happening. Uh, yeah, same for me. Not, you gotta have to be careful with your fight your uh, camera today, bro. It's just it's bugging out. Uh, anyway, while Josh goes ahead and tries to fix that, we're gonna now move into our offensive rookie of the year. And there were a bunch of good offensive rookies this year that you can name. I think. The one that stood out for me midway through this season and beyond is it's got to be Kyler Murray for me because I was a very critical guy of Kyler Murray when I came when he came into this league. I didn't know what he we would expect from him. Didn't know how his game would translate, especially with the Arizona Cardinals being the way they were before the season started. And just to see you know, obviously he had his troubles all year long, but to see the dynamic he gave the Arizona Cardinals offense and what he was able to bring on that extra level of, you know, being able to run, he's the equivalent of the mobile quarterback, right? He does it almost as well as anybody. Had a lot of different things that he did and with very little receiver help too and very little running back help very little help on the offensive side in general this year just have having guys get injured and not many other mainly his best player this year on offense has been the 16 year veteran in Larry Fitzgerald if that says anything about it but anyways uh, Kyler Murray this year proved me wrong specifically I, I thought that Murray was not going to uh, look as keen as he did he got very good offensively throughout the year, and I was impressed with his improvement. So that's why I think he's my offensive rookie of the year. Josh, your camera's still messed up. I don't know if you're still working on that. Honestly, I don't know what's going on with it. It's really pissing me off right now. Like, it, Just, like it's not... Do you, do, do you have an actual camera? Are you using your uh, laptop? I'm using the actual Logitech here. Then unplug it and plug it back in. I hate that. Just unplug it, plug it back in. Sorry, uh, folks. I know we're having a technical. Hey, look, there I am. There I am on my webcam. The actual laptop webcam. Uh, and then it went out again. All uh, right, yeah. Um, yeah, you're okay, back. Just don't touch it. Uh, quit making a lot of sudden moves and stop doing stuff like that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we've got back to Kyler Murray being my offensive rookie of the year, Josh. Who is your offensive rookie of the year? My offensive rookie of the year is the one that got passed up to the second round, and that is DK Metcalf. He's proven himself to be quite the asset to the Seattle Seahawks because we all know that they really needed another uh, wide receiver. And he really proved himself in the last uh, half, latter half of the year. Uh, he's the reason that they uh, ended up uh, pretty much uh, – 
tying up the game with the Niners. I mean, he kept them in that game when they couldn't really move anything. And uh, he he showed some spots here and there against the Eagles, but uh, oh gosh, I'm, I'm like stumbling my words. I'm trying to think about more great stuff to say about DK. Thank you, by the way, DK. You were on my uh, championship winning team this year. <laughs> so uh, thank you to you. You're the one that got me past my cousin in the championship round. But uh, just like DK, everybody's like, oh, he's going to be a first rounder. He goes to the second round. And everybody's like, see, I told you he's only good for going straight. But yep. he, the uh, Seattle Seahawks proved everybody wrong by having him do yep. more slant routes. And his deep routes are what kept them in most games throughout this year. So DK Metcalf is my offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, very good pick. Uh, he definitely proved me wrong as well. I, I, I'm one of those guys that, you know, along with the national media, thought the same thing. Josh and I said the same. Uh, Toby was a little more hesitant to say that, but we definitely all said that we didn't know where he would be at, but he did a very good job this year. Uh, Toby, your offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I'm also staying in the West, and I'm, again, in the same division as you, Derek, but I'm going with the new Raiders running back in Josh Jacobs, and I believe he is the new cornerstone in the offense for the Raiders. They definitely have to build a team around him, have to get a better offensive line. But still with the lack of an offensive line they had this year, uh, he still managed to run for 1,150 yards and seven touchdowns. So for me, it... um, Yeah, again, like with Cooper Cup, it was the only glimmer of hope they had on offense in Josh Jacobs. Okay, you can't put Darren Waller in there this year as well. But other than that, with uh, Derek Carr and their wide receivers this year, there was nothing really to be proud about uh, for the Raiders. And with Josh Jacobs, they found somebody that can actually make their offense better and kind of give them hope that they do a little better in Vegas uh, coming next year. Absolutely. Can I at least put in a uh, put in a uh, one of the uh, what are they called runner ups? Sure, go Terry, ahead. Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin. He's gonna be my offensive rookie of the year runner up. You know, okay. I mean, I understand sure. where you're going out with that. Well, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm not really going to go into much detail because we have to keep moving on. But I mean, from where he was picked in the third round, he really tri- showed that he was pretty much should have been a fir- late first round pickup. Yeah. But uh he did a good job for that very very I'm not, I'm not going to miss words. Crappy Redskins team. He was pretty much their only bright spot throughout the season. Yeah. You know, that quarterback situation that was difficult for him. I mean, I kind of give the same credit to AJ Brown for the same exact reason Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. Kid was phenomenal, especially halfway through the season. He did really well. I did have him on my fantasy team as well. That won me that championship. You get all the rookies of the year? Like, holy crap. <laughs> oh, all right. Jeez. All right. Um, now, defensive rookie of the years. This one's a little bit, I think, a little bit more meshed. I think there's a few less players that you could point to for this. For me, it's the obvious one, and that is Nick Bosa of the San Francisco 49ers, who this year had 47 tackles, 15 assisted tackles, with nine sacks on the year, which was one and a half more than his brother Joey did in his first year 
But then again, Joey also did miss some time. I understand that. But he also had the nine sacks and he had the interception as well. So this guy was a wrecking machine throughout the whole year. He's had a lot of great moments. Obviously, when we saw the sack against Baker Mayfield and he planted the flag on his home turf and reminded him that, you know, we may, uh, you may have gotten us on that day at Ohio State, but I got you now. I, you, you're mine. And obviously, this year with that San Francisco front seven, uh, Nick Bolsa has been one of the key pieces to that. Uh, he's it's hard to believe that he's only a rookie the way he plays and just how many plays he's made this year it's been phenomenal to watch him play it's the future of the San Francisco 49ers is in great hands with Nick Bosa being on the edge Uh, so he's definitely my defensive rookie of the year Toby what's yours uh yeah I have nothing to add there mine is also Nick Bosa you brought up all the stats all the moments in the season exactly the same reason i had josh yep nick bosa as well (laughs) so apparently everything else so far we've had variety just defensive rookie of the year where nobody's touching that we're easily going with that okay good i'm glad we could agree on one thing so here's one thing that will definitely cause some controversy for sure i know the Offensive Player of the Year. So, uh, Josh, why don't you through. give why don't you give us your Offensive Player of the Year? Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas. Okay. Michael Thomas. <laughs> okay. Because that man, dude, like I like I said in that one podcast, his lowest amount of fantasy points was ten points, but his receptions. He now owns the reception uh, record, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Ask Marvin Harrison's record, yes. Yes. Marvin Harrison, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You will, will we love you, forever. Marvin, okay? <laughs> Josh and I love you, okay? All right, but but back, right. to, back to Michael Thomas. This was his year, man. You know, when some people get paid, they're like, oh, he's going to slow down just so he can, you know, protect his body. No, he didn't slow down. He actually got better. He actually had the vaccine to heavy wallet syndrome. That's the first time I ever saw that. Now, if you're wondering what heavy wallet syndrome is, it's just a concept I made that when a running back or somebody of higher quality on offense gets paid, they slow down because of the weight of the money in the back pocket. But Michael Thomas proved everybody wrong that he wasn't going to slow down. He sped up, and he actually got the reception record. That dude was on fire, and I think he deserves the Offensive Player of the Year. Toby, what about you? I'm also going with Michael Thomas. Not a big surprise here. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you, uh, have over 1700 receiving yards in a season, when you break the season record for receptions and or fourth in touchdowns with nine over the entire season, um, there, I, I don't think there is anything that can beat that offensively. Of course, for MVP, it's, it's not a sexy pick to pick uh, wide receiver as MVP, but I think he should be in the conversation there as well. But like Josh said, he just did not slow down the entire season. I mean, he hurt his hand when he caught that uh, uh, the pass f- uh, for break in Marvin Harrison's touched uh, reception uh, record there, and he still continued to play hard and get a couple of receptions more and played even in Week 17 when it 
really didn't matter at all anymore and still got nine receptions in that game. Uh, sorry, four receptions in that game. So that shows to me that the guys out there just wanting to play football and just breaking records. I mean, I think he's fourth uh, in uh, receiving or receptions over the last four years, and he's only been in the league for three years. So it just shows how crazy the guy is and how big the numbers are that he's putting up. And it, I mean, there were a couple of games in that season, especially week 17, where you think, okay, there could be another 10 to 20 catches in there to add on to the 149 that he already had. And he might be a guy to break the 2,000 receptions yard, uh, reception yards in a season at some point. Yeah, and I think you could make that argument based off of when you're talking about value. I think he is the ultimate reason this offense ran the way it did. I mean, you just, whatever quarterback was throwing him the football any of those weeks, Michael Thomas was there every week and was constantly bringing up the same production every week. He was running that offense in a year where Alvin Kamara didn't really get the numbers that we're accustomed to seeing him do and the quarterbacks being different and everything else. Michael Thomas was the constant. Um, While I won't dispute that, I do have a different guy here for, like you guys were mentioning, broken records. This dude was breaking a lot of them this year. And that's going to be my offensive player of the year is Christian McCaffrey. Uh, He's mine because... I mean, you just look at the stats on this dude. 70% of the offensive numbers that came from the Carolina Panthers came through Christian McCaffrey. 287 rushes for nearly 1,400 yards and 15 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. I didn't even get to passing. I got to rushing there. So now we go to the receiving. And he had 116 receptions. I think that's the most ever by a running back if I'm not mistaken, in a season for over a thousand yards and also had four touchdowns on the year as well in the passing game. So you see it and say he almost, he had almost 1500 yards. He had four, he had 2,400 yards of offense all by himself, had 19 touchdowns and the workload, just the way this dude never slowed down. Like you guys mentioned, he never slowed down. He only got better as the season went on and he was there every week. I know people are going to say, oh, you know, well, he was used so many times. That explains why he got that. But yeah, but I mean, people still game planned for Christian McCaffrey and he still put up those numbers. That's the crazy part is we've never seen a running back have an individual season on both uh spectrums with rushing and receiving we've never seen this before out of a running back like this so that's why he is going to be my offensive player of the year i was half tempted to go with patrick mahomes but patrick mahomes also missed a few games and had one or two games where he just didn't get to play very much and but for christian mccaffrey he didn't have a bad game he was always there so that's my offensive player of the year defensive player of the year uh toby why don't you go ahead and give us yours uh i'm staying in the nfc south and i'm going with shaquille barrett uh with a sack leader with 19 and a half sacks he had six forced uh, fumbles he had one interceptions and 45 solo tackles 
So uh, for me as a linebacker, um, I mean, like I said, he was the sack leader over the entire year. Um, with the forced fumbles and the one interception that he got, not the best numbers at tackles, but I mean, just the sacks and forced fumbles um, combined, they're just the stats are, are there compared to other guys like maybe TJ Watt, who also got kind of compar- uh, comparable numbers or a Chandler Jones um, who was uh, really close in sacks with 19 sacks, but they're just missing those numbers at forced uh, fumbles and interceptions. I just think um, Shaquille Barrett was just a force uh, at the front seven this year, and he was dominating about every team the Buccaneers faced. Um, So, yeah, it's Shaquille Barrett for me. Josh. For me, it's our one and only Darius Leonard. I mean, to me, I'm not. I mean, I don't know what you got <laughs> there, but to me, it's Darius Leonard. Because, uh, I mean, this season it wasn't as big as his first his rookie season, you know. But that's expected. But it's still a pretty big amount. He had like 121 total tackles this season, about five interceptions and uh, a 5.0 sack rating. Like, that's pretty big, you know, especially coming into your second season like he did. And I know he finally made it to the Pro Bowl after, you know, everything. Getting snubbed out of it last yeah, year. getting yeah. snubbed and stuff. So, just like Quentin Nelson, they're both going to be improving going into next season. And I think that these stats show that Darius Leonard – can be one of the first ones to win defensive rookie of the year last year, then defensive player of the year this year. Yep. I, I agree with both of those. They're both really good picks. I think that you definitely can make the argument for both of them. Uh, Josh, fix your camera again. Uh, Gosh, darn it. Put it, uh. put it in a different, put it in an, a different uh, outlet than what you have yeah, in right. right. Put it in a different spot. Anyway, so, yeah, Shaquille Barrett, obviously the turnovers that he got for throughout the season obviously helps the case. Uh, you say the same thing with Darius Leonard. I understand that as well. Uh, I am going to go with the guy that Toby tried to uh, compare Shaquille Barrett's season to, and that's TJ Watt. Uh, I think just with the some of the turnovers he did have and then, you know, with the – amount of tackles he had obviously 177 combined tackles and the 14 and a half sacks that he had just to see his momentum progress throughout the year and just to see how dominant he was in some of the games it it just read to me like wow this kid is special you know he did some phenomenal things this year Uh, you do have a couple decent guys for a defensive player of the year you do have I mean, it's great that we're not talking about uh, Aaron Donald this year. You know, no disrespect to Aaron Donald, but we are talking about other guys in the mix right now. And I honestly don't think Aaron Donald's in the top three for recognized defensive players. So, I mean, we're getting somebody outside of the Khalil Max and Aaron Donald's. We're getting more of the linebacker sort of treatment right now, which is cool. You know, it's really good to see a bunch of different things there. Uh, all right, so 
Oh, yeah. One of the more thing to your question, too, uh, Josh, was Darius Leonard was snubbed this year out of being a first-team All-Pro. Mm-hmm. He was second-team All-Pro. Again, disrespectful as crap. Disrespectful just like he did last year when he wasn't able to go to the Pro Bowl. That's ridiculous and that's stupid. And although this year, TJ Watt was first-team All-Pro and selected the Pro Bowl. Anyway, now we move on to the MVP of the regular season. Let's keep that one in mind because that's what these things are supposed to be based off of. Again, I don't believe that because, you know, why would you hold an award show after the uh, postseason already started? But anyway, let's uh, move on to our MVP. And uh, Josh, your camera's out again. I feel like I'm going to have to just say that constantly yeah. for the next ah! five minutes josh dude i'm trying to um, fix it there oh i saw <laughs> <laughs> the picture you said josh okay <laughs> I, I saw the picture like of quentin nelson and ryan kelly at at that place folks yeah. folks i mean good lord <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> fix your camera first before you can laugh funny boy ha anyway, ha I did. No, you did. It's not fixed. Oh my gosh! Come on, it's working fine on my screen. It, it it's working on your screen. It's not working on ours. <laughs> That's what matters here. <laughs> um. Okay, you guys go around. Hold on, I'm gonna fix something. I'm gonna right. fix it. All right. All right. Let's have Josh give a few minutes to think about it. Toby, who's your MVP of the regular season? Well, it, it's got to be Lamar Jackson. I mean, the guy uh, threw for over 3,000 yards, uh, uh, 36 touchdowns, ran for 1,200 yards, and ran for seven touchdowns. Um, I don't think we've seen any comparable numbers in the recent years. And compared to other guys um, this year, like you said, maybe a Patrick Mahomes who missed a couple of games due to injury, and there were no real other quarterbacks that show up in, uh, showed up in the game. I talked about Michael Thomas, maybe being in the com- uh, conversation for MVP, but of course, wide receivers are not a sexy pick for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just because he's a quarterback, and I mean, MVP awards usually go to quarterbacks as it is the most important uh, position on uh, on the field in the NFL. And with the numbers Lamar Jackson put up in a regular season, um, got to say it again, um, I, I think after that season he deserves the MVP award. Sounds good. I, I am also going to agree with you that Lamar Jackson should be the MVP of the regular season. Uh, just like you mentioned, the numbers just phenomenal and leading that Ravens team to the record that they had in the regular season is just phenomenal. Uh, great team effort, but I mean, obviously, and his dynamic ability to play is just and unlike anything we've seen in over the last 10 years uh, since Michael Vick was in his prime. So, yeah, Lamar Jackson definitely for me is the MVP of the regular season. Josh is smiling, thinking that he's going to have something different. What are you suggesting? 
Oh, whoa, wait, we're losing And audio. now we don't have audio. Dude, cut out your mic? We can't hear you, bro. This is the extended version of the Third Down Squad podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are currently experiencing technical difficulties, but we will resume your podcast momentarily. I will not be silenced by Discord or anybody because I'll say that Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. Oh my gosh, are you serious? Oh yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, remember, what does MVP stand for? Most valuable player. And I think Patrick Mahomes, by far, by far, Derek Larger, is the best MVP candidate here. I can place. tell you what's not the best. Your, Your camera. camera quality. <laughs> <laughs> Your camera cracked out again. Just go. I said Patrick Mahomes. Next subject. I don't give uh, a hey, damn hey, anymore. Folks, for anyone that's like, I'm sorry for anyone that doesn't want to Josh's beautiful face on camera. We're just going to have to work on that here in the next few weeks. Okay. We're just going to have to figure out. I don't even know out. what's happening. We were already in off-season form. Yeah, we're already I guess. In off-season form. Yeah, that's true. I guess. All right. Well, at least we have Josh on audio, so at least that's a good thing. It'll make for at least we can make that part of the podcast. Anyway. Hey, Derek, you see this? You see this? No, I don't no. see it. <laughs> oh, come on! Unplug uh, your camera and plug it back in. This is what started the problem last time. What do you mean? You unplugged it and it just went to crap like that? Literally, I just did. It just took another crap. Okay, well, I mean, like, can you just leave your- Next subject. Okay, next subject. Uh, we're gonna move into our favorite moments of the 2019-2020 NFL season. And we have no. Oh, button. I see now. Oh, uh, video, the video connection is shit right here. I see it. Now. All right, hold on. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. Like I said, all right. You got me an audio. That's all you need. Of the 2019-2020 NFL. There's been a lot of fun moments for all of us. Uh, not a whole lot that we can recall right now, but we do have a lot from our favorite teams and a few NFL itself. Gave us a lot of good memories. It was the 100th season of the NFL, and we're thankful for where the NFL is today, restoring our faith in American sports. So we'll kind of discuss here some of our favorite moments of Do you the... got me? Do you have me? Yeah, I have you. We have you. Okay, because I just okay. shut down a crap ton of windows that were running in the background, so that should help. There you go. It might help a little bit. All right. So, some of our favorite moments from the 2019-2020 NFL season. Obviously, one of my favorite moments, uh, and it's not really been a moment. It's just more pastime. Uh, loved podcasting with you guys. It brought me a lot of fun and excitement every week. Uh, it was really, really funny at times to do this podcast. It really is. Hey, you actually uh, saw a picture of coronavirus, you know? That yeah, was uh, but it, all right, yeah, we have to. We have to show it. <laughs> yeah, we have to show it. We we can't not show it at this point, folks. 
This is what we're talking about. The you Corona. Know, the I saw it on Reddit and I had to share it with you guys. I had to share it. Um. Anyway, we're moving on from the coronaviruses, okay? Because it's not a global epidemic, okay? Let's just chill out. Anyway. Uh, yeah, like I said, the third down squad podcast here is one of my favorite things I was able to do this season. Being able to do a full NFL season with you guys was really fun. A lot of great memories. We had a lot of fun and laughter during this season. And we're only getting started. It's going to be really fun to keep doing this. Uh, some of my favorite Colts moments. Uh, first one I wanted to mention was the win over Kansas City earlier this season. Do you know, guys, that since Patrick Mahomes has been the starter, uh, the only team that has kept Patrick Mahomes from scoring under 25 points in a game has been the Indianapolis Colts. That this year, when they only gave up, uh, what was it, uh, 13. So it, it was phenomenal to see that there's not another team that has kept Patrick Mahomes under 20 points. It's phenomenal what that game was and how we were able to do what we did uh, was great uh, game for that one. And then I think my favorite other moment of this year was going to the Indianapolis Colts game with Josh. Uh, even though we lost that game, it was still a lot of fun to go. And I had a great time. Uh, as fun bringing Josh to his first actual real Colts football game. So it was Really fun. I hope Josh had enjoyed himself with that one. Um, oh, so I, I did. Once show. we found the seats, and then I just stood, got there, and I just did not move. Cause yeah, that folks, was he, uh, it took up. him a oh little bit. God. It took him a little bit to get used to the height of where we were in the stadium. It took me a little bit as well, but we, we both kind of calmed down after a little bit. Yeah, because we just focused all our rage on Brian Hoyer playing like crap that game. Yeah, and then... That was pretty much it for my personal memories. Uh, there's a lot of great uh, moments in this season that certainly are going to be uh, awesome to tell. But I'm sure you guys have a few things that you guys wanted to mention. Toby, why don't you go ahead and give us some of your favorite moments from this year? Yeah, of course. Uh, one of my favorite moments came also at a Colts game when uh, Drew Brees uh, got past Peyton Manning with the all-time touchdown record in week 15 in the Superdome. That was awesome to see. Then, of course, Mike Thomas breaking the single-season record in receptions uh, the game after. Um, Teddy Bridgewater starting five games and winning all five of them. Nobody expected him to do that. And, I mean, to come back from an injury that he had um, to leading the, the Saints team that was not really that strong to be honest without uh drew Brees um to uh 100 or 1000 record that was impressive and uh one moment or my favorite moment besides uh any saints moment was in the wild card round in the playoffs uh the game between the tennessee titans and the new england patriots when uh, the Titans uh, took those intentional penalties and out Belichick, Belichick himself in his own uh -huh. stadium. That was amazing to see and one of the funniest moments I think I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I was on a ride back from a 
conference in Columbus and we were listening to that on the radio when we heard we were all like wow uh Josh why don't you go ahead and tell us some of your favorite moments some of my favorite moments come from week one when the Titans put a beating on the Browns that were supposed to be the greatest team of all time gave everybody a huge reality check that they were still the Browns you know Another favorite memory of mine was the time that we witnessed, you know, almost a murder happen on the field when Miles Garrett slammed uh, Mason Rudolph's helmet on his head. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that he did it with lethal intent or any legal jargon, but that's probably the first time we ever saw a weapon or a weapon, a helmet used like that as a weapon. But I think a pretty good memory of mine was uh, when the Colts got that game-winning. Uh, field goal and then the strip sack against the Broncos remember yeah I remember that yeah because we're all because I remember praying to the football gods that Adam Vinatieri made that field goal and for all the crap I gave him leading up to that he made it and uh and then immediately uh Ben Benahue getting the strip sack on uh Joe Flacco to seal the game that was probably my favorite truly my favorite moment aside from also going to the football game very nice uh yeah i I didn't get to watch that uh i was busy back at the old house uh doing some stuff uh josh your camera's messed up again just letting you know you Um, know what i i don't know (laughs) all right we're just not gonna care at this point just uh Um, let's all right so now we've given you some of our favorite moments we're going to recap some of our favorite moments probably at some point during the offseason looking forward to next year but anyway let's go into our topics for discussion from this last week and then we'll get into the Chiefs versus the 49ers talk so first comment we're going to talk about is a comment that Burrow made just earlier today in his press release stating how he made comments about wanting to go to a team that is committed to winning Super Bowls. Well, we can say whatever we want about other teams. I don't know what I can say about the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, I will give credit because I have some Bengals fans that I work because I live down here near the Cincinnati area. Their fans are committed to winning Super Bowls. Their staff is committed to winning Super Bowls. I am not sure about their GM and about their owner. That's my only issue here, is that I don't know how much they really care about winning Super Bowls, but I think everyone else does care. They they kept Marvin Lewis, who still has a winning record, by the way, in Cincinnati. But uh, they kept him on for way too long, and that guy looked like he ran out of juice. Well, I know, but that wasn't a fans ago. or a staff decision. That's the owner and the GM's decision. Yeah, not that just shows the... that they're not ready to win a Super Bowl yet. Right. Well, here's the question, guys: Is are these comments from Burrow a turnoff for the Bengals uh, staff? You know, for like the owner and the GM that make the ultimate decision to bring this player to Cincinnati. Toby, what do you think about it? Um, I don't I don't think so. I mean, it just shows what he wants to do in the NFL and that's of course uh winning a Lombardi trophy and a ring at the end of it. And I 
I mean, yeah, of course, um, the teams that are at the top of the draft right now are not the teams that we think of, especially when we think about who's going to the Super Bowl. But, I mean, look at the 49ers. They were crap the last three years. They were second to last in 2018. And, uh, well, this year they are in the Super Bowl. So, um, I don't think we should count out uh, any particular team um, after what we saw from the 49ers this year. But, I mean, it's it's going to be tough for the Bengals. But I think it just shows the spirit of Joe Burrow that he wants. Uh, he's not done with a national championship. And he wants to uh, win a lot more. Um, if it's going to happen, I doubt it will be with Cincinnati. Because at the state they are right now, they probably need 32 first-round picks uh, to get uh, to a point where they could be a contender. But... Um, I don't think it was a jab against the, the Bengals necessarily. Like I said, it's it's more the state of mind of Joe Burrow just coming off a championship team and kind of wanting uh, to have that success as a professional football player as well. Josh, what do you think about Burrow's comments? I think that he wants to make sure that the Bengals do have a fire in them, you know, because – I think Joe Burrow is probably going to have the same effect that Andrew Luck did when he was drafted. You know, he's probably going to be the guy that carries the team on his back throughout the season. And I don't think he necessarily wants that, you know, because he wants to spread the ball. And that's really what made him get the Heisman Trophy this year. He wasn't the only one, you know, doing all the work. Everybody helped him. And that's not to say like the Bengals have nobody to help. They got Joe Mixon, a pretty solid offensive line and a couple good wide receivers. But like you said, it's, it's like the owner and the uh, GM, they just go with, well, we'll just go with this guy for as long as we can. You know, like it almost seemed like they were complacent and they didn't want to do anything until they absolutely had to last year. Because I think if they did not fire him last year, they were going to keep Marvin Lewis until, you know, 2023 or something like that. So I just think that, like Toby said, it's not a shot at the Bengals. It's just a, hey, I want to make sure I'm not the only one doing work out here. I want to have a supporting cast to help me do this. Yeah, I don't think it was a shot at the Bengals. I'm not suggesting that. I'm stating the fact that, you know, his... His comments just make you kind of what Josh said there was that, you know, I think Joe Burrow knows his situation. Obviously, he reads the media. He knows what is being said about him, right? He's the contingent number one overall pick. That's what most people are assuming is going to happen to him. So he most likely knows he's going to end up in Cincinnati. He's maybe trying to light the fire underneath the owner and the GM who eventually pick him up and say, you know, I'm not here to screw around. I'm not here to screw around. And if you want to screw around with my career, then you're going to, you know, obviously pay the price for it in a few years. But I mean, I think that, you know, these comments obviously are not meant to really take a shot. I think it's just more of, you know, trying to display the message, kind of what Toby said, how the 
obviously he's wanting to show people that I'm here to win. I'm here to win Super Bowls. If you're not ready to do that, then I'm not going to be want to be a part of your team. And uh, so that's pretty much it for the uh, things there. But now we're going to transition to a situation for the team that might draft Chober. So the Bengals find themselves in a very particular situation here again. And I'll probably ask this question quite a bit come here in the next two months if something doesn't happen during that time. There's a lot of teams that would really love to get that number one pick. And one team that I know has the hardware and the ability to make a trade deal happen for that number one pick is the Miami Dolphins. They have three first round draft picks this year. Now, there have been scenarios thrown out there that the Bengals could accept a trade offer that gives them all three of the Miami Dolphins first round draft picks and maybe another draft pick next year, either in the first or second round, and maybe also an additional one this year later. Either way, they're gonna get, they would get immediately Miami's first three picks, and would probably get another consensus pick if not two. So, Josh, if you're the Bengals here, and you're presented an offer like that from the Miami Dolphins, what would you do? Would you take it, or would you say no? I need my number one. Oh I'm not boy! What you think the Bengals will do? I'm asking what you would do. For me, I man, this is hard. You know. All right. So if I was the Bengals front office, I would take that deal because Joe Burrow's one of how many other top quarterbacks in this uh, draft class? I mean. Heck, Justin Herbert won the uh, Senior Bowl uh, MVP, so he could also be pretty good, too. Now, because you're going to be great on offense. Your offensive line is going to be healthy. You know, they got Jonah Williams last year. He missed the entire season with a, uh, I believe it was like a torn hamstring or something like that. And uh, uh, I can't remember. I think I thought but, it was something up in the shoulder. I could have sworn, but yeah, I could but, be wrong on that. I but uh, that anyway, uh, the Dolphins, they're still going to be depleted, you know? And you're meant to win a Super Bowl. So that means that you got to get... Because you got three first-round picks. That means there's going to get three, like, first-round talent. So you could get a quarterback and, like, a linebacker and a defensive line lineman. That will help your team tremendously because you're now under Zach Taylor. Not and not Marvin Lewis, so you're not gonna have to worry about like your offense getting dried out. So I would take that deal because it would make the Cincinnati Bengals better in the long run. You know, it's just I mean, now I'm not saying anything bad about Joe Burrow, but one like we've learned, one quarterback doesn't help out the team like I guess overcome much, you know? It's it a whole team to it's, the ultimate yeah. goal. Yeah. Remember, like, but, and I keep saying Andrew Luck this, Andrew like that, because it's the same scenario with the Bengals and Joe Burrow. He's going to get brought in at number one. He's going to carry them for a few years. 
and they're not going to get anywhere. So if I'm a Bengals fan, I'm hoping they trade that first pick to make that Bengals team overall a better team. Because Toby, the, what would your, your – or uh, Josh, did you have any other words? Sorry. So I'm just going to make this quick. Because the AFC North has gotten way more competitive now, and mm-hmm. one quarterback isn't going to change that. Very true. Toby, what were you, what are your thoughts on a potential trade for this? Yeah, I, I would definitely trade uh, for – well, I, I would actually take just the three first-rounders from Miami for uh, the first overall pick because, like Josh said, there are so many quarterbacks in this draft right now uh, that you can uh, pick from. And you're getting the, I think, the Miami Dolphins pick sixth overall. Fifth. fifth. Or fifth, yeah. Um, so you're not going to drop that far back. And there is... Not There's about really three that... other quarterbacks that you could name that would be yeah. day one starters. Yeah, for sure, at least three. Um, so um, they're still in a pretty good spot where uh, they would get a good quarterback. We know at number two, the Washington Redskins, they're not going to pick a quarterback after dra- uh, drafting Dwayne Haskins last year. Um, so there's still going to be at least one guy uh, that you're comfortable picking at, at number five. And uh, they still need so many more pieces on that team. They need a better offensive line. They need uh, a lot of guys on defense. So every pick they can get out of it uh, is going to help them. And I still think that on a team like the Bengals are right now, even uh, Joe Burrow, uh, if he plays like he did in, uh, at LSU uh, this season, it's, it's not going to help him that much. I mean, the guy had probably the best offensive line uh, in the nation in college last year and one of the best uh, receiving cores as well so he's not going to find out with the Cincinnati Bengals right now so I I don't know how much he can really help them without the the pieces to surround him with and I believe it's it's not going to change much if they have just Joe Burrow on their team and not not more talent around him uh, to kind of yeah protect him or give him some some weapons. Of course, they got Tyler Boyd, but they're they gonna cover Tyler Boyd a lot more when you got Joe Burrow as your quarterback. Yeah, if if I'm the Bengals and I can get three draft picks out of this pick, I'm assuming even if Miami decided to do something where they give them the fifth pick the 26th pick which i believe is what it is let me check that just to make sure that i'm not uh losing my mind i want to make sure that i got that number right i need to remember what their last draft pick was that is the 26th pick okay so i was right on that um yeah so say like okay we'll give you the fifth pick we'll give you the 26th pick and we'll give you a second rounder for this year our second rounder for this or uh, a second uh, rounder maybe next year and then like maybe a third this year or something if i can get that many draft picks for one guy if i'm the cincinnati Bengals, i absolutely take that deal absolutely because like toby and josh said it is about rebuilding your team the cincinnati Bengals are have a lot more issues than what a quarterback is going to solve right now even a Joe Burrow. And look, and look, no disrespect to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was amazing last year. The greatest season that we've 
ever seen from a college football quarterback. It doesn't come close. But it's like Toby mentioned. He did this for one season. The last season that he played his his uh the year before, he was a good quarterback. He wasn't a great quarterback, he was a good quarterback. And then skyrocketed to what he is now because you're right, he had a great offensive line. Might have had the best wide receiving core in all of football. And it helps when you have those things. And they don't have those things in Cincinnati right now. I mean, ultimately, they, like you mentioned, they still need an offensive line. Their offensive line is young and injured all the time. Their wide receivers are constantly getting hurt. We don't know about A.J. Green at the moment. We know Joe Mixon, what he can do. And obviously, that defense for Cincinnati, it needs to be revamped. So all of these picks that you can get in replacement of a Joe Burrow is phenomenal, especially when, if you're getting that fifth pick, unless the Lions take a shot at Tua or Justin Herbert or anything like that, you're going to have those options. Because we know Chase Young is going to go to the, uh, the Washington Redskins. It's almost a given at this point. We know that the Lions, I don't, we don't know about the Lions yet, but we're positive that the Giants are either going to go with an offensive lineman or going to end up going with a linebacker probably. And then you have that fifth pick. You have free range to do whatever you want with those guys. I mean, obviously Joe Burrow's better than all of them at the moment, but we don't know what Joe Burrow can bring. And not to mention, just again, the amount of draft picks. Chris Ballard would be thrilled to have that option. If you threw, if Chris Ballard had the number one pick right now and he had the option to throw that at somebody for a team like the Dolphins who are willing to give up three draft picks, potentially the three first ones, absolutely Chris Ballard would do that in a heartbeat. Absolutely. And that is what a good GM would do. They wouldn't give in to the national media pressure of saying, if they don't draft Joe Burrow, they should just be kicked out of the NFL completely. Folks, there is much more to a team than a Joe Burrow. There is much more to a team than a Joe Burrow. And it's also, about uh, rebuilding that team. Yes, I'd like John. to add that the Bengals should aren't you tired of finishing last in your division? Or you near know? the last. Or near the last. Because like we keep saying, a quarterback isn't gonna fix any of your problems right now. You need to it's about like Derek said, rebuilding. So I, if the option's there, throw it at the Dolphins and take those three first-rounders and a second-rounder. The Pittsburgh Steelers didn't have a quarterback all year long, and they still came this close to making it to the playoffs. That's how good their defense is, and that's how good they are at running the football. If you can do that, your team is in a great position. When you find that quarterback, then everything falls into place. Doc Hodges did better than your team. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, the Colts uh, have experience with this firsthand. Josh brought up the Andrew Luck thing. Putting a quarterback there and not revamping the roster around him. Sure, it's awesome. It gets you to the playoffs, but it doesn't get you anywhere farther than that. And, and he Joe ends up retiring. To compete for championships. I don't want to compete for playoff appearances. I want to go to the Super Bowl. So, again, if I'm the Bengals and if I'm, if I'm a wise Bengals fan out there, I would absolutely think... Yeah, getting four draft picks instead of one. Absolutely, I'll take that. Anyway, 
move on from that. Now we'll talk uh, Greg Olson being out. Uh, him and the Panthers have mutually agreed to part ways. The tight end is uh, now entering his mid-30s and says he still wants to play in the NFL, just not sure where he would go. Guys, do you think Greg Olson will find a new home somewhere, given his contract? If this year taught us anything, it's knowing when to hang it up. And I think that Greg Olson, for all the good he's done, his injury history is still very prevalent. And I'm, and it's usually ankle injury after ankle injury. So he mentally thinks he has more left in the tank, but I think his body is done, and he just doesn't know it yet. So I don't think he finds anybody that's going to give him – like he'll find somebody. They're just not going to give him the deal he wants, and then he's going to probably think, that he should retire. And I think that he's done enough to justify retirement. So if I was Greg Olson, I would just hang it up. Anyway, you're not going to get the value you want for yourself. So Toby. Yeah. I, I think he's just trying to maybe get on a team because he had a really good season with the Panthers last year, of course. He uh, had some trouble with injuries uh, over the last couple of years. And, I mean, if some team needs a tight end, I could actually see him maybe signing with uh, the Patriots at some point um, just for the beginning of the season so they try if he fits on their team as a kind of replacement for Rob Gronkowski because they kind of struggled at tight end the last season even with uh, Ben Watson. But if he doesn't get the deal, of course, the Patriots are awful, uh, also really careful about how much they play their, uh, pay their players. Um, mm -hmm. So, like Josh said, if uh, the money's not there, I think he hangs it up. And I think he would actually make a good expert in the booth uh, commentating games. Uh, he, was, he did one game, uh, I think it was in the 2017 season, it was a Minnesota Vikings game where, where he did, I think, a really good job explaining the game um not as good as tony romo uh does of course but still a nobody lot better than, better than booger tony mcforland romo. on monday night <laughs> you know, football. nobody does it better than tony romo that guy he looks like he, man, tony romo. it looks like Le'Veon bell is the best running back in the league booger he's been retired he like took the last season off i know that like i cannot stand you know he'll be better than booger mcfarland and Joe Buck. Oh my gosh. Every time I watch a Joe Buck and Troy Aikman game, I just want to go away. I wanna, oh I wanna my punch God. Myself. I want to punch myself. Oh uh, don't my they do God. the, okay, the yeah. Super Bowl on Sunday? Oh no. Oh. Get ready Who for Joe Buck to repeat himself. Who is the commentating staff for that? I, I don't know, but I, I I think I read a meme somewhere that it's uh, Aikman and Buck. They are they just are. It, awful. it was just a meme, so it's just going off of a meme. So I know, but it's just like both of them. They just Troy Aikman looks like he's high all the time. He's in that booth. I don't know if he's like not getting any sleep or he's like smoking dope in the bathroom before he comes out to Here's commentate. Here's what you can expect to see in here before, after, and in between Super Bowl 54 between the Chiefs and the 49ers. Broadcasters Joe Buck and Troy Aikman have the call of the game on Fox, while Aaron Andrews and Chris Myers will handle sideline. Yep. Yep. 
Tony Romo did a better job than those I two know. combined. I know. Why not get? Why not get Tony Romo? It's ridiculous. Yeah, because anyway. CBS is not broadcasting this year, yeah, unfortunately. Right. Yep, unfortunately, it's on Fox, which means we get Troy. Joe might just watch it on silent mode. Anyway, well, I so... still got the option for German audio, so I'm thankful for that. <laughs> That's great. I'll just put it Espanol. I'll put it on the ESPN <laughs> Deportes. All right, next one that we have. All right, so obviously this offseason we're going to have a couple different uh, options at veteran quarterbacks. Uh, I don't know if you want to necessarily call Cam Newton a veteran quarterback, not, but he is in his 30s, so in his early 30s still, but <sighs> still. So here's the thing. So Cam Newton may become a unrestricted free agent after this year. We know Brady's going to be a free agent and Rivers will be also with Rivers and Brady both looking like they're going to be leaving. And there's always the option out there that Newton has the possibility of leaving as well. So if all of these guys are available this offseason, Toby, who do you think gets picked first? I think Philip Rivers. I think he is the well. He's got the most in the tank out of uh, the old guys, and I think he just he he's just a more versatile quarterback than the other guys. I th- um, Tom Brady is. I I just see him as a kind of system quarterback uh, that worked really well in the Belichick scheme in New England and Cam Newton of course he's I I don't know what he still can do with uh, how hurt he was over the last couple of seasons because he never was a great thrower and he just made up a lot of it uh, with his feet but now with all the injuries he can't really do that anymore so for me the best option right now is Phillip Rivers Um, and I think he probably is the first one to get picked up by a team and I kind of like Rivers with the Colts to be honest yeah I know a lot of people have been talking about Tom Brady that sort of thing Josh uh, Newton Brady or Rivers who gets picked first if they're all available I say Brady but mostly on the name alone because uh, I think that you know with how Brady has done, I think that some people are going to buy into the uh, idea that he can come in and fix your franchise. And I do think that he can under the right circumstances. So uh, he looks like he's got in like, like two years left as compared to like Rivers. He looks like he could do like three or four more years. But uh, I think that the uh, Colts get Tom Brady and uh, I think that Philip Rivers goes to the Denver Broncos. If I had to choose, jeez, that's a that's a change for the uh, the Carolina Pan. I mean, uh, Cam Newton goes to the Buccaneers. Um, I I agree with Toby that Rivers would get it first, just because I think people are starting to play up the fact that Rivers is a decent quarterback with a system that wasn't necessarily great last year offensively but we will just have to see on that one last topic we get into before we get into super bowl talk and 
So now we've we've all seen how Antonio Brown has obviously had some issues with the law recently. And some of the uh, former players of the uh, in the NFL, some of his former teammates, and even Roger Goodell has stated that they want to get Antonio Brown help to make sure that he can live a better life than what he's living right now. So, and one of them even being uh, Juju Smith-Schuster saying that, you know, he worries about him and everything else. But uh, it's kind of funny because if if you guys go look at Antonio Brown of what he posted, uh, he posted a picture with him and Juju and I think Le'Veon all uh, hugging in the end zone after a touchdown the Browns scored. And... He was saying that, you know, it's all love from everyone. And then uh, Juju commented on Twitter saying that uh, first you have to unblock me and then we can start talking because AB blocked him on Instagram. Uh, So I don't necessarily think that they're all good, even though Juju is willing to help him and feels worried about him. So ultimately the question is, Toby, do you think Brown will seek any kind of help from from his players or from the NFL? Um, I'm, I'm not sure about the the help from players or the NFL. I mean, he has court-mandated uh, or a court-mandated psych evaluation that he has to go through. So I think that's a first step, and that will hopefully help him see that he he has a problem. And then he might uh, accept some help from the NFL or players or any organization uh, that wants to help him. And to the whole Juju story, I think he he gen- uh, genuinely feels bad for Antonio Brown. I think he said before he was drafted to the Steelers that Antonio Brown is one of his heroes and uh, he kind of... Uh, wants to be like uh, Antonio Brown and wants to play like Antonio Brown. So um, I I think he still has that kind of idea that uh, Antonio Brown uh, is is his idol from when he went to college and the great NFL player and wants to help him. But then, like you said, there's also been the feud last offseason uh, of the two on social media so it's not all, all good between them but I think generally that uh, that uh, Juju wants to help Antonio Brown to get back to a, a stable mental state and that he can potentially maybe come back to the NFL and be the great wide receiver that we, we saw when he was with the Steelers um, the last couple of years Josh, do you think he'll get the help from them? I think he will. Because I, th- I think reality's finally starting to check in with uh, Antonio Brown after he turned himself in to the police. And I think now he knows that his actions have consequences. He's going to actually start to seek out the help from former teammates who uh, will help probably help set him you know, on the track to a better life, better than any like court mandated psychologist or anything like that, because he actually knows them, you know, and they actually, and 
for all the stuff he says about them, you can tell they still care about him. You know? Even though he did get blocked on, uh, even though he did block uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Sorry about that. Uh, and I do think that it, that his teammates will pull him out of this. So, well, there's only one way to find out, and we'll see later. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's gonna get it either. Uh, you know, he called the NFL uh, some very racist things and said "f" to them. So, I don't see him ever trying to get help from them. Anyway, we moved on from all of our topics. Now it is time for the moment you guys have been waiting for to talk some Super Bowl talk. So, we have the. San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday at 6.30 p.m. Probably between the two best teams right now. Uh, it's really good to see them, uh, see the two best teams get into the playoff or into the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm confused by this picture <laughs> that Toby just sent in the group chat. Oh, that's so funny, dude. Josh, look at Snapchat, would you please? Um, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, that's ugly. I look like a retired, like, grandma gym teacher. Uh, yes, you look like a retired, yeah, you do look like a retired teacher. Yes, you do. Um. Anyway, so we, we have a combination of two teams right here that have actually been complete by by opposites of each other this whole season we have the kansas city chiefs with a very dominant passing attack obviously we know what patrick mahomes tyree kill travis kelsey and these other boys can do we also know what the 49ers can do we just saw it the uh two weeks ago against green bay and the way they are able to run the ball down your throat all night long. So, first thing before we get into too much, uh, Tevin Coleman is has been downgraded to questionable for this game on Sunday. Uh, Toby, if he doesn't get to play, how much of an impact do you think that makes on San Francisco's ability to move the ball? Uh, I don't think it matters that much. Um, for me, Tevin Coleman was not really the lead back like we saw last week. They still have uh, Raheem Mostert uh, that will probably uh, lead their rushing attack uh, in the Super Bowl like he did uh, against the Green Bay Packers. Um, and, I mean, it's just questionable. It's not like he has a doubtful uh, or even already an out designation. Um, so it's it's probably something minor. And, I mean, it's the Super Bowl, so he's probably going to play uh, through whatever injury he has, uh, even if he's in some pain with the... I mean, they are splitting snaps at running back anyway, so he's not going to get uh, the majority load of it, so... I think he he will uh, power through it. Josh, what do you think of uh, Tevin Coleman's impact if he doesn't get to play? Yeah, I'm in the same boat with Toby because if the Packers game showed anything, it's that they really have a pretty solid 
uh, running back in uh, Molster, but uh, he would be an asset in making sure that each running back, you know, they cycle in and out, gets a break every now and again, because you do not want to have your running back get gassed when it's like the fourth quarter and and you're like within a scoring range. So it will be a big, uh, he does play a big part, but I don't think he's going to be like the most important running back out there. He's just going to be helping, you know, cycle through uh, running backs just to keep people fresh and moving. Yeah, and it certainly helps with Tevin Coleman being in there given his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He is that guy that is their premier catching the ball out of the backfield guy, and that's just another element to the passing offense that they have. I mean, I think we kind of get a little sidetracked from the idea that San Francisco can't throw the football just simply because what we saw two weeks ago where they threw the ball eight times. Look, I'm sorry, folks, but when you're running the ball for over 100 yards, you don't need to. I mean, honestly, that's just it. I mean, the San Francisco can definitely throw the football. They they don't have any issues with that. They have Emmanuel Sanders, and they have uh, Debo Samuel, and they have uh, George Kittle, probably the best receiving tight end in football, honestly. But... um. Yeah, I will uh, say that, yeah, Tevin Coleman is a big thing. So one player from the Chiefs and the 49ers that need to uh, do really well for them to win this game outside of the obvious. Go ahead. I need to take this call. Um, Josh, you want to take that first? Uh, what was it again? Uh, he, which he, player he uh, besides the obvious has to have a great game on Sunday for each team to win it? Mm-hmm. Alright, uh, I I think for me, the person that has to have the best game of their career is uh, going to have to be, you know, Marie, I mean, Molster. Because this is like, he was kept on to help out the, uh, just because uh, Shanahan saw something in him. And I think that he wants to use that to, uh, prove that you know Kyle Shanahan did not make a mistake in keeping him on and to show that he has to prove himself in this game so I think that it will have to be uh he molster to have the best game of his career for the 49ers now on the Kansas City Chiefs side for me I think it's gonna have to be uh uh, geez Whoever the uh, whoever the running back of the game is for the Kansas City Chiefs, I, I honestly do not know any of their names outside of LaShawn McCoy. So, uh, Damian Williams. Yeah, Damian Williams. So, for me, it's going to be him that's going to have to have the big game for the Kansas City Chiefs because throughout the season, the run game for the Kansas City Chiefs has seemed, at least from a, you know, and not really a fan perspective of the Chiefs, but just by a football perspective that – that run game for the Chiefs has been non-existent this year. Like, they solely relied on Patrick Mahomes' arms to get him through games. So, mm-hmm. if uh, you're... So, I'm saying Damian Williams has to have the best game of his career in this game and show that he that he and the Chiefs 
do have a running game and they do not rely on Patrick Mahomes because if Patrick Mahomes gets shut down by the defense of the 49ers, then the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl. That's just how it's going to be. So Damian Williams is going to have to have the best running game of his career Sunday night. All right. Uh, You went with uh, two offensive players. I'm going to go with two defensive players here. And on the San Francisco 49ers side, I'm going to go with with, uh, Richard Sherman. I believe he's going to be the key part that he can cover guys like a Tyreek Hill and keep the passing efficiency uh, of Patrick Mahomes to as little as it is possible against Mahomes. Um, And on the Kansas City Chiefs side, I think... Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Frank Clark uh, on the defensive line. I think he's an important part in the game, kind of pressuring uh, Jimmy Garoppolo to not get that uh, passing game too involved for them and kind of keeping the offense uh, for the for the 49ers uh, one-dimensional with the running game, kind of like they did against the Tennessee Titans uh, in the conference round. All right, and I'm going to go with one defensive player for the uh, Chiefs and a offensive player for the 49ers. And I'm picking these guys for the sole reason to setting the tone on their perspective sides of the ball. It's going to be George Kittle for the 49ers and Tyron Matthew on the defense for the Chiefs. Kittle is one of the main reasons that offense... And he is one of the main reasons why that offense on the passing side can actually go and operate the way it does because he's the best receiving tight end in football and not to mention he can run block I I don't know if people have quite seen the game film on him but he runs through people that is the tone I need to see from him in this game in order for the 49ers to keep it up and Tyron Matthew we saw in the uh, one of the last few games where he was running all over the field in a zone, a disguise, and then was able to chase down Deshaun Watson uh, in the same play. So it's one of those things where he's going to have to set the tone on defense, whether it be a big play, whether it be keeping everybody focused. It's exactly what they need is they need Tyron Matthew to keep them going because they are going to face a team that is going to run it down their throats. They're going to need that. uh, They're going to need him to be, almost a little bit like Troy Polamalu, be that hard-hitting guy, and he's not afraid to run through somebody. All right, so uh, let's see. Let's just talk about here for perspective's sake. The Let's say, well, let's not focus on who we're picking at the moment. We're going to talk about that here next. But let's just say this. For the Chiefs to win, and we know that uh, if the Chiefs can win, uh how is it uh, what does Patrick Mahomes have to do for Kansas City in order to win this game Toby um uh yeah I think one of the most important parts is to not get uh sacked too much and if he gets pressured which he probably uh will get with Nick Bosa on the other side um kind of be smart about it not uh forcing any 
uh, wild throws. Uh, we've seen him convert some crazy throws on the run, but kind of playing it safe a little bit more in the Super Bowl and kind of throw a ball away at some point and kind of avoid, of course, turnovers uh, is, well, it's obvious, but um, against the defense uh, like the 49ers and knowing what uh, out of what positions Patrick Mahomes uh, attempts some uh, throws, um, you really got to be got to be cautious about that in this game um so for me it's kind of like be smart about uh the throws you're taking and be smart about the balls you throw away on Mahomes' side all right josh for jimmy g and his sake how much more involved do you think he'll have to be in this game versus what he had in green bay i think that for him to get involved it has to de- they have to first test out that Chiefs defense like they did for the for the Green Bay defense where you keep running the ball at them until they finally stop it. And I think that that's worked for them going into this game. So I think he'll get involved, but only when he absolutely has to, like he did in that Green Bay game. But like the Chiefs are not the Green Bay Packers. They actually can stop the run. And I think that that's going to uh, play into Jimmy G throwing more than seven passes or something ridiculously low like that yeah. in this game. All right. And then I'm going to give my three keys here. Uh, I have one, but I'll have to make up the others here as I go. But then we'll do that, and then we'll get into our predictions for this. So the first key for this game is how does the first – five minutes of this game start how does the first five minutes of this because we have seen different ends of the spectrum for both of these teams in the first five minutes we have seen kansas city multiple times go way down and seem in impossible scenarios and then just see them come back my thing is is i don't think they'll be able to do that against the 49ers they have to get off to a better start that means not dropping passes and not Uh, having turnovers on that and i think ultimately the second thing it goes off that is who wins the turnover battle in this one because ultimately in a game where both of these offenses can do some serious damage who creates that kind of turnover and especially on special teams we've seen that too is how how are uh the chiefs going to combat their special teams mishaps that they've had this playoff so far and i think the third key is like kind of josh said was the run game for both teams this is all gonna also gonna come down to who can run the ball better because like we've seen the chiefs actually were able to shut down the run relatively decent and the san francisco 49ers against green bay were not, their running backs weren't getting touched until seven or eight yards down the field. So how do the Chiefs combat that, and how do the 49ers move on from beyond the run game if that's not working? So that's my three keys for this game. And now we're going to get into our predictions for this game. That's right, guys. We're predicting the Super Bowl. Now, before we get into our predictions, we have the records for this season 
and I have them calculated right here. So I am at a record of 127.75 and one. Relatively happy with that. 52 games above 500. So I'll take that. Uh, that's about what am I thinking here? That is about three and almost three and a half games ahead of. That's three and one quarter games uh, above uh, 500 every week. So I'm okay with that. Toby has a record of 128, 74 and one, one game ahead of me. And Josh right now has a record of 121, 81 and one. So I was really hoping for that 69. <laughs> Shut up. Um, all right. So yeah, we're all in the 100 guys. This was a lot closer than what it was last year. I think necessarily on Josh's sake, I think is a little bit better. Josh did a little bit better job this year with predicting games, which I take applaud. Me that again. Take that to me again. I, I, all right. I, I said it. I applaud Josh's ability to actually uh, predict a few games this year that that Toby and I failed to actually see. Yeah, especially uh, we, in the playoffs. Yeah, especially in the playoffs. Josh has owned us in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> so... We killed him in the regular season mostly, but he killed us in the playoff things. That's where it really matters. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, congrats to Josh. I mean, he's been the most. What was the record of the playoffs? Um, I would have to look that up. I could probably do it next week, but I think you may only have like two or three losses throughout the whole thing. I mean, you you went perfect last week, and you know you missed the one or two last yeah you missed two i think last week or two weeks ago but i mean you you've done really well josh you did really good in the playoffs so anyway uh let's move on to our predictions for this game the offensive high power juggernauts that are the kansas city chiefs Face the number one overall rated team in the 49ers that can do it all. Toby, go ahead and give your prediction first, my friend. All right, and I'm not only going to give you my predictions, I'm going to give you the last Toby's odds of the 2019-2020 season this year. Right. And uh, I'm going to start with the odds in this game and... I got a couple more uh, for one game this week. So, of course, I'm going to start off with the spread for this game. Um, the spread this week is one and a half points. The favorites are the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the odds, of course, minus 110. Um, I'm going to give you what I think uh, about the spread with my actual game predictions to not give it away yeah, give uh, it before away. that. <laughs> Um, next up, we have the over-under on the game. It's set at exactly 54 points, which is pretty high for a Super Bowl. But like Derek said, we have a good offense in the 49ers and one of the best de uh, offenses in the Kansas City Chiefs. You have 54, right? Is that what yeah, you said Yeah, 54 points. Right, 54. Um, the odds, of course, minus 110 here as well. Um, my prediction here, I can say it. Uh, it's the over uh, on uh, 54 points it's going to be an offensive shootout and okay. whoever can get uh, one turnover in this game I think there are not going to be many turnovers in this game so I think one turnover will decide this game um, for a defense um, 
Then next up, I have some odds for the Super Bowl MVP. Of course, the front runner here is Patrick Mahomes. The odds are plus 100, so not not great. Um, but we got some sleeper tips here as well. Uh, first off, for a defensive pick, it's Nick Bosa as MVP on the San Francisco side. We got the odds at plus 2,200. Uh, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, uh, Kelsey, both tight ends for both teams, have the odds of plus 1,400. And if you're really feeling lucky and think my pick for the 49ers who needs a good game uh, will actually come through in Richard Sherman uh, and becomes the Super Bowl MVP, uh, perhaps even with an interception and some good coverage skills, I don't think he will be, and so do the bookies. His odds are at a whooping 500 plus. So if you want to put some money down and actually think Richard Sherman could have a good game, there is a lot of money to be made here. If um, that man gets two interceptions and a, a forced fumble, then, yeah, you could potentially make that argument. <laughs> yeah, I... I mean, he's not traveling with uh, wide receivers at all, so he's not going to cover Tyreek Hill uh, the entire mm-hmm. game. So there might be some cover, uh, some matchups that he can actually shine in this game. So I wouldn't count him out completely, but it's it's going to be a tough you know, task. Him being a him being a cover corners, a zone corners, just kind of one of those things that depends on where they throw it to. Yeah, but I mean, he's one of the few guys that actually has experience in a Super Bowl so Mm -hmm. that might be an advantage for him but now we're coming to my actual prediction for the game and this also features in with the my spread prediction Um, I just I, I feel like the San Francisco 49ers are the better version of what the uh, Tennessee Titans uh, did in the playoffs with uh, not necessarily passing that much but having the ability to do with a decent quarterback but almost entirely depending on the run if possible so it's kind of can the Kansas City Chiefs uh, replicate what they did two weeks ago in the conference uh, a championship game and I believe they showed that they can match up against a run heavy team on defense as soon as they figure out how to st- kind of stop that or kind of get the team one dimensional at kind of getting to the quarterback with a uh, Frank Clark like I said he has to have a good game for them to win the game um, to kind of take away that option to pass the game uh, to pass uh, a lot in a game and keeping the up uh, the opponent uh, one dimensional with the run, they can figure out how to stop the run. Uh, and I think the, that a uh, Raheem Mostert is not quite the quality running back that was a Derrick Henry two weeks ago. So they should be capable of stopping the run, even if they haven't shown it in the regular season. And of course. You have uh, Patrick Mahomes as the leader of the offense for the Kansas City Chiefs and a speed guy in Tyreek Hill that I don't see any matchup on the 49ers to stop him. So I 
could see a huge game with a Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes against the 49ers defense if uh, the front seven of the 49ers don't get to Patrick Mahomes uh, that much. Uh, so my tip here outright and against the spread are the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the spread was minus one and a half points just to say that again. Um, I just think if the Chiefs defense plays like they did against the Titans and we just see a normal game off of Pat Mahomes, um, it's going to be a shootout, but the Chiefs should handle it because they just have a better offense for a shootout. All right, so there's your first pick, folks. Toby is going with the favorites in the Kansas City Chiefs to win Super Bowl 54. Now, Josh, why don't you go ahead and give us your reasoning? Now, this one was hard to do or like to, because – both games taught us something about each team and uh the i guess for me though i'm gonna take you back to the nfc championship game really quick you know the one problem that the chiefs or the niners defense had was the deep ball especially going late into that game and their run defense is fantastic but their pass defense has been suspect throughout the past few uh games now, the Chiefs are, especially Patrick Mahomes, are uh, primarily, you know, pass first, run second. And we all know that Patrick Mahomes has the arm to get the ball there. And as we know, Derek, speed kills in the wide receiver part. I think that, and, I, and after having about two weeks to kind of sit on this one and digest all the information coming in, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs to win this Super Bowl because, look, Richard Sherman, he's a great, great cornerback, and I like the guy, but his age is starting to show more, and I think Tyreek Hill will outspeed him at every corner of this game. So I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game. Boy, do I have some educating to do to you. All right, so... We also now have another person going with the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl as well. So I'm going to go with this here, folks, guys. All right. We have some very good offensive minded head coach this in this Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid, two of quite possibly the best offensive minded guys in the entire NFL. We have actually, I'm sure everybody's seen the clip of Kyle Shanahan pointing to the ref that, that he knew George Kittle was going to get held on one of those plays in the Green Bay game. And literally that's what happened. So given that this happens, there's a lot of, I, I both of these coaches can do some massive good work in two weeks preparation time. If given that amount. And here's the thing. So, I am one of those guys that does say you can run the football and you need to do it in order to sustain a good quality of offense through a long period of time. And with Moster, I know he's not as good as Derrick Henry, but no one's stating that he is. What we're stating is that the, the offensive line of the 49ers is so dominant 
to where he doesn't even get touched before even getting five yards down the field. It's phenomenal what they're able to do. They have the confidence to run the ball on a third and eight at the 40-yard line and still say, all right, we're going we're, we're gonna to get this first down. Not only get the first down, we're going to get a touchdown. So the only issue I have with you mentioning that they were a, they're a better version of the Tennessee Titans, yes, they are a better version. They're a widely better version of the offense. And not to mention the offensive mind that you get with not only Jimmy Garoppolo, but of a Kyle Shanahan being able to mix up looks better than what Vrabel could do with Ryan Tannehill. George Kittle is a monster on that offense. Not to mention, I mentioned before, they have Emmanuel Sanders. They have uh, Debo Samuel. They might have Tevin Coleman back, which is plenty of receiving options to make it to where if the run game does happen to stall, they would have some backup. And that defense, just like the 49ers are facing an offense that they've never seen before. The Chiefs are also facing a defense that they have not seen before. That front seven, that front seven is phenomenal. That defensive line, Patrick Mahomes is going to have to throw the ball in under three seconds. If he is not able to get the ball off within three seconds, he's going to have issues. Now, of course, I know that that means that almost nothing to them because they have a bunch of guys who can run down the field very quickly. I understand that. But when you're having to evade the pocket, which is what the Colts made him do a lot in that game, you do make it a point to where, yes, he'll make some plays, but he's going to make a lot less of them. And the way they run their defense, it is a zone option defense. So obviously that can be a little difficult when you're talking about speed with the way they have it, I understand. But also mixing up zones allows you to throw different looks at them and it will confuse Patrick Mahomes in a way that he has not seen from a defense before. This defense is the number one rated defense for a reason. They get to the quarterback, they are good in the pass coverage and they are good at stopping the run with that front seven. So, with all that being said, I agree with Toby that this is going to be a shootout. I think this is going to be above 54 points. I actually had this game uh, as a 35 to 31 game. So 66 points in my favor. But I'm going against you guys here. I think that in a shootout, the team that can dominate the time of possession in the way that this team can is what they're good at doing. And that's why they will win. I'm going with the 49ers to win Super Bowl 54. All right, so I'm on an island here, folks. It's all I'm on an island all by myself. So either I do lose the record to Toby or we tie. It's all <laughs> that one. Now, I think we can all raise our hands here to this, that either one of these teams has a really good shot of winning this game. I yeah. mean, honestly, I think we can all sit here and say, there are multiple reasons why both teams can ultimately end up winning. It would be like this if Tom Brady was here. We'd all say the Patriots would win. Yeah, no, <laughs> we would all say the Patriots would win because it's just Tom Brady. But he's not here, okay? That's the great thing about the NFL this year. Yeah. Yes, the 100th season of the NFL. We don't get to see freaking Tom Brady in it. All right, so you're here to hear, folks. 
the uh, Tobias and Josh, the Terminator Neats, are picking the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. And I, D Rockius himself, am going with the 49ers. D Rockius. D Rockius. Yes, that's my nickname. That's my uh, gamer tag. I, I thought it was Drakius, like just one word. No, Drakius. Drakius. Ah, Drakius Sin. <laughs> Funny. All right, folks. <laughs> that is it for the NFL. Yep podcast that is the third down squad uh real quick guys what are you planning on doing to watch the game what do you guys got plans for toby what do you got um probably not much see, it starts see, at midnight over fan. here so <laughs> turning on that 75 inch uh tv back there chugging a couple of coronas and yeah i'll have to ah, saturday i'm gonna have to do that i'm gonna have to I made that Corona picture of my gamer pick and Xbox. I made that Corona picture of my Xbox Live picture. Oh my God, you did not. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Josh, what are you doing for the Super Bowl? Going to my parents' house because they have surround sound uh, television now. So gotcha. I'm going to get the full experience. And plus, I it, the game won't be on my TV because I have like that, like, free television that gives you the free cable channels for public television yeah i'm probably going to be going back home as watch it with family and friends so that'll be a fun night uh so it's going to be really fun once again guys thank you so much for tuning in we hope you enjoyed let us know what you think in the comments be sure to follow us on twitter at t3ds underscore nfl be sure to like comment and subscribe and be sure to listen to us on spotify and as always guys Have a really good Super Bowl weekend and peace. See ya. Later.